It's five o'clock somewhere, time for the security cocktail hour. I'm Joe Patty. For over 20 years, I've been working in information security and knocking back martinis all over New York. I am Adam Roth from Staten Island, locksmith, EMT, love to box. And on rare occasions, I've been known to engage in cybersecurity. Let's go! All right, so if you've been listening, you might have noticed that Adam is a bit more of a technical guy than I am. Um, I've been a manager for a bit, and but Adam is a serious network engineer. So you want to tell everyone a little bit about your vast background and experience in this area? Well, I want to say network security, cyber security, physical oh, right. security physical. Yes. engineer. Yeah, let's get physical. Yes, Adam also physical. loves the integration of physical and network and cybersecurity, which not everyone, including me, completely appreciates, to be honest. Yeah, so I, I have a background. I uh, started off as a network security engineer, but at the same time worked on physical security projects that integrate into both uh, network and cyber. I enjoy having the hands-on and just getting you know, my hands dirty and jumping right in uh, over 20 years. And you, Joe, was it yeah, 65? very funny. 60. I, I've been on a, I've been on a spaceship traveling, you know, towards the speed of light. No, um, God, I have been in this <laughs> wonderful business in the neighborhood of 30 years and doing security for most of it for quite a while. Um, I started out in technical, in the technical world, but now I'm really, really more of a manager, a strategist, not just a cyber person, but a, a risk professional, I suppose. That's how, that's the latest buzzword you got to morph yourself into because we're always evolving. Yeah, it's very yeah. risky. You have to, you have to, you have to, you know, work in compliance, risk into any any conversation. Just the other day, I went into the supermarket and uh, I was risk avert. Really? Why? Why is that? Were the bananas looking a little uh, a little brown? Like what was it? I did. I was just using the no word risks. No risks okay. Well, that's good. Well, well. It, Fortunately, you're going to a good supermarket, but there are always risks, and we'll we'll be talking about those and how what risk management means at some point. And I have some very, very interesting opinions on that. But for today, this is more of the Adam Show because we're doing a bit more of a technical session here, or at least we're going to start talking about technology. Um, Adam loves, among other things. Hacker tools, or properly, more properly known as security testing devices, security devices, right? And you have quite a collection, don't you? Well, I've had collections. I've sold them. I've bought more. But uh, there's two things I love. I love hacking tools and ice cream. And ice cream. That's true. So, yeah, we. Uh, I love hacking tools. I hacking tools kind of challenge you, as well as helps you to determine the risks in your organization, which allows you to determine uh, what you need to be compliant for. So I worked this towards in there. But uh, in this particular case, I think we're talking about the Hacker Zero. Huh? Well, let's, ta- well, let's talk. Zero. First, let's talk about what we mean by hacking tools so everyone knows. Um, you know, basically, it's like the stuff you might have seen on Mr. Robot. I think that's probably how most people are familiar with it. And, and you actually have had some of those things, haven't you? Yes, I, I've had... Um, some of the uh, tools from Hack5, um, and they have a lot of nice tools. I mean, I don't think I have a room big enough to hold all those tools if I was to buy it, 
nor do I think my wife would let me spend that much money. <laughs> but I'm open to receiving them if anybody. Hey, you'll take stuff for free. Never but, rule the, number one of Hacker Tools: yeah. never take any that people send you for free, because they're guaranteed to make you unhappy eventually. Put it that way. Uh, yeah. uh, depends, but yeah, I mean, but let's let's be honest. You know, there are, there are tools that come from reliable places that have been compromised before, or they even hit the floor. But in this particular case, what we talk about, when we speak of hacker tools, um, they're kind of like pen test tools. And what a pen test is, is you're looking oh, a pen for- A pen test is a um, penetration test, I would say. It's when you try to break into your own stuff. It's a yes, wide term for that, yeah. But please continue. Well, you, you might not be breaking into your own stuff. You might be breaking well, into or, other people's stuff with yes, their permission. Yes. Yeah, I want to. I want to make sure we 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 say that. But by the way, you should never pen test or penetration test anybody's network without permission in writing. But that being said, what hacker tools do is it exploits vulnerabilities, or it looks or discovers vulnerabilities. So I'll give you a quick example of some vulnerabilities. Maybe you're going to use a hack tool to run commands at a high rate of speed that normally a, a person couldn't have done by using a tool, or you might use a hack tool to exploit a vulnerability, maybe in radio, like a flipper zero, and be able to copy a signal and replay it to open up maybe a Tesla charging port. Um, there's a lot of different things that you can test. And the reason why these tools can be used for good is when you're testing, you know what you have to plug up or or fix so people can't exploit that themselves. Well, that sounds How's right. that sound? I mean, you know, penetration testing has been around for a long time. And what most people know about it, I, I think, is like testing web applications, like, you know, your bank or any other, you know, company you're doing business with. They have a website and they, they don't just do it themselves. They also typically hire people, uh, security consultants, to go in and test it to see if there are bugs and bugs that can be exploited. To break in and things are regularly found uh, you know writing those are very difficult sometimes they're pathetically easy to find which is terrible um, but um, there are also tools that can be used to do it in an automated way software tools but then just about anything really you can test like and as more things become uh, you know enabled with more electronics and more uh, you know more computers and CPUs more and more types of testing are are going on and are and are actually necessary. I mean, you'll you'll see on on TikTok and on YouTube, you know, guys saying, "Oh, I broke into a car. I did this," and they're you know, some of them are making trouble and they are doing some things that maybe they, you know, if if they're doing more than demonstration, they shouldn't be doing. However, the people who produce those, it's actually very important um, that they have access to those things too um, to find the vulnerabilities before the bad guys do, because the bad guys will any vulnerability, the, any problem or design defect, whatever it is. The bad guys will find it. It is best that you find it first. Yeah. So I don't know if this is really a true story. I don't think anybody can um, validate it. But I think pen testing goes back to the Trojan horse with the creeks in the uh, in the uh, uh, during the Troy was it the, the Troy Trojan War? War? You know when they the all Trojan War. The the Iliad. Tro well, yeah, uh, into Troy. I'm sorry, during the Trojan War into Troy, and um, all those soldiers hid in that. A big wooden horse and then they pushed the horse into the territory and then they came out and they started you know they're fighting that's well, a pen test well that wasn't right? a right 
penetration test. That was an actual penetration. Those are the bad guys. Bre- those are the bad guys <laughs> breaking in. If, if the yet. Trojans had tried that themselves without telling their own, own soldiers, that would have been a pen test, I suppose. That's true. I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> no, but that, but well, that exactly wanted, illustrates to... uh, the point. Whether you realize it or not, Adam, you're a genius. Um, you know, you, you should be trying these things first. And one of the things that, you know, from a home standpoint that you can do with some of these tools or see it's like you know may, you may not realize um how easy it is or or how difficult it is you may want to know for someone to drive by and unlock your car or start it or open your garage door or those fancy new um electronic locks they have uh, you know we understand if you're interested in it people understand lock picking pretty well but uh you know how those new connected um home systems work and how easily they they can be opened don't know uh, they need to be tested and we need to understand what those are if we're going to count on them. So before we jump back into the flip of zero, I, I, I appreciate you validating uh, or correcting me on the story. I know you were there. Oh, That's how you were able to. I was not there for the Trojan War. You. I was only there for the Roman Wars, remember. I, my real expertise is Roman. <laughs> oh, sorry. Okay. But but the, but that's exactly what the flip of zero does, right? It takes some of those, well, it does more than radio, though people concentrate on radio with the flipper zero. It allows you to capture maybe someone opening up a car door and then you can replay the car door. So you have that in your pocket or you have that in a, a car and you're standing across the street and you listen to it and then you replay it. That's what some of well, these- Well, it basically are. And um, able to- has within it, yes. it's a little computer and it has a number of radios that different frequencies and used for different things. And yes. And I guess you can go through those, but you know, each of them can obviously listen, but it can also record and play back. And that can be a way of uh, trying to break into systems now. And you can find out the newer, better ones. I think we've talked about this before. The newer, better ones should not be so easily susceptible to a replay attack because that's what that's called, but they shouldn't be. Yes. Um, I mean, so it's a little bit different with cars, right? Cars, People don't understand that you really need to update the firmware in your car, and you can do that from your entertainment center. So a lot of the companies are allowing you to update the firmware to well, prevent it, these attacks. it depends. But, some cars are over the air. Some you still have to take into the dealer, and they have to do it of themselves. Yes, yeah, it's true. That's what, that's what the Flipper Zero allows you to do, right? Some of the less sophisticated remote controls and – and uh, radio uh, radios built into some of these cars allow you to capture the signal and replay it. Same thing with your, um, your your IoT devices at home, your remote controls for your TVs, though it's less sophisticated. Um, there are a lot of things you can replay. And, and not only does the Flipper Zero do radio, but when you use a USB and you plug it into a computer, it allows you to do replay attacks as if you were on a keyboard or find vulnerabilities by scanning and some of the firmware that's out there that are alternative firmwares other people have created have become extremely sophisticated and allow you to do some real crazy things and it's gotten so bad uh where people are so frightened that amazon just recently said we're not we're not selling flipper zeros anymore because it could be used as a card skimming device i mean they maybe they shouldn't sell knives because you know, not only can you cut fruit, but you might be able to rob somebody. And, you know, the thing to remember, too, about the Flipper Zero and about, well, about this one in particular, is that 
it combines a lot of different things. And in a second, we're going to run through all the different radios and the different uh, things it can, it can do. But, you know, one of the things that's nice about it is that it takes a lot of different, a lot of different capabilities and, and puts them in one convenient package. Um, that's, that's nice to work with, you know, all these things before it's like, Yes, if you can use it as a card skimmer, believe me, the bad guys, they have no shortage of card skimmers that they can get a hold of. Um, all these things that we're talking about were not, as far as I know, maybe they do have a few unique things, but as far as I know, the at least the vast majority of what the Flipper Zero does have been available in other devices, either commercially available or homemade by the bad guys for quite some time. And, and that's what makes it useful, that it brings to a wider audience, the ability um, to, you know, see what your exposures are and, and understand these things. So, you know, I, I think you and I have spoken off uh, air about, you know, the Flipper Zero is also considered a Tamagotchi. And when you say Tamagotchi, you think about those devices. I, I originally thought past, you meant it was a Furby, toys. which horrified me. But yes, you, you, you corrected me. Yeah, it, well, it's kind of a Furby, but it's an electronic Furby that irritating. has a screen. For those who don't, yeah, for those who don't know, the Tamagotchi was a, a virtual creature that you had to feed, and when you put multiple Tamagotchis together, it created an ecosystem. Well, the same thing with the Flipper Zero. It, it's a, it has a dolphin built in there, and when you put other Flipper Zeros near each other, you can play. So it kind of, you know, gives you that toy effect, but at the same time, it's a very sophisticated tool that will allow you to do nfc and rfid nfc is near frequency contact so if you have a credit card in your hand there's a chance you can read the credit card or your access card to your building some more sophisticated credit cards i mean access cards and credit cards it's very it's harder to read but you have that capability okay so let's run down i'm going to give you a quiz on this i actually like quizzing it oh no it's 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 an easy no no, i don't want to no let's run down what it actually has and remember this is we're talking about functions that the uh, Flipper Zero has, but these are things that other devices too that people are using are basically hacking um, otherwise uh, with you know with other techniques and other devices that they're playing around with to find the vulnerabilities. Um, so you talk about NFC, uh, near frequency communication, right? So what what uses yes. that? What can you play around with with that? Uh, NFC actually, well, you can use if you go to a gas station. You go to an ATM, you take out your credit card that has the built-in smart chip, and then you wave it in front of that contact right, that's, on the that's ATM the credit card or the tab. gas pump. Right. And yeah, yeah, that's yeah. NFC, that's near frequency. And the phones too, like phone. Apple Pay and phone, Google Pay, yes. whatever they call it. Right. And when you board a bus in New York City or, or even the trains, you use an NFC also to enter into oh, the Oh, yes. In, in New York now, having a, you know, forget about tokens, but having a Metro card is like very uncool, totally old school. Old school. Yeah. Okay, so it does that. Then there's RFID, which is probably much more pervasive. That's an older technology. That's been around forever, right? It, it's older, but it's Widely still used. used. And RFID is useful. Yeah, they use it in any everywhere from law firms to finding files that they misplaced to putting it on shirts and pants and uh, stores to track inventory. Uh, they, and and some people claim it's built into money. I don't know. Oh, what you're no. about, but... I used to tell my wife that, but I think that's an that's an urban legend. That like what it's when a they wife. 
Oh, yeah. Or like, Years ago, when they put that little metal strip, the idea was they could tell how much money was in your wallet. But that, I don't think that's true. Well, I don't. I don't think it was. No. I don't think it was meant for that. But no, it's anti That's the old rumor. But yeah. But um, RFID is basically radio frequency for tracking um, objects, and it can even in RFID is even part of your access cards and 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 uh, security. I mean, the goal is that you're able to track something with readers all over a location or just a single location. So if you're in a building and you're walking around maybe a government building, they'll know what floor you are, what what area right. you are. Um, but RFID is, is, is more passive than, than active, I think, because uh, you have to be energized by the reader. But I'm sure they have uh, active RFID Most as like. well. Okay. Then there is uh, infrared which is another pretty pervasive technology, TV remotes and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. Infrared is used for a lot of different things. Um, you know, people, when they think about infrareds, they usually think of remote controls, but infrared was used on actually, you know, computer stuff where you can actually send uh, code to I, it from I like, remember your laptop, that. Um, before there was oh, I haven't seen that in years. That's right. You could yeah. put like two computers next to each other and you had to put them together just right. So the whole thing went and it was really slow. And if you like, you turn the light on in the room too bright, well, it, it wouldn't work. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. But Though I was very serious. The Israelis had a UAV or a drone and they put kind of like a electronically controlled laser pointer and they injected malware into a laser printer's infrared just to see if they can do it. That was yeah, years I, ago, but I think they, I see a drone outside your window. You know, we record these. We have video on for us. No, you sure? No, I have. Uh, <laughs> I have uh, my 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 flipper zero tracks for okay. drone signatures. Few more things it has: sub one gigahertz, which just sounds so cool. So sub is below one gig, and usually that's like four hundred thirty-three megahertz or three hundred something megahertz. That's for garage door openers and other types of uh, formerly licensed band uh, uh, bandwidth for uh, certain frequencies. You know, like if you open your garage door, I think it's 433 megahertz, but it's also some of your remote control lights and other things uh, that send signals over and uh, remoteless key systems like you have uh, listed in the past. Um they're not very terribly complicated devices, so there's no real in either encryption or changing frequencies, so it's very easy to copy. So if you're standing outside your neighbor and they're opening the garage door, you can replay it. But they also have a brute force built into the Flipper Zero that will go through all the signals and all the normal remotes and try to uh, oh, that's open the door. Great. And that could be good for thieves. You want to be careful with that. Um, you know that that actually is. You know, with some of these things, I know I've joked about it in the past where you say you can torture your neighbors by changing their TV channel or making their room too hot or something like that. Um, but, you know, in, you, in your home, you know, now that we have garage door openers now, guys can do drive-bys, uh, try to open them. Now the same thing is starting to apply to, um, you know, your doors if you have electronic locks on them and other things in your surveillance. So we, we really need, and we talked a bit about that in the in the home security podcast, uh, you really need to start um, paying attention to that. And you know, these devices, like I say, they give you a, they give you a very good idea of what the bad guys can do. And you know, hopefully, long term, as people do more testing with these, 
and publish it, that's a good thing because that, that will make the manufacturers improve the security of these devices. And that's exactly it, right? If we look at it from purely a cybersecurity standpoint and we look at zero days and someone publishes that they found a zero day, that kind of motivates the vendor or manufacturer to, to, uh, to close that loophole or close that vulnerability so that it doesn't happen in the future. If people use these tools, as long as they're not using it to actually gain something from it, and they're more considered white hat hackers than black hat hackers. Um, for those who don't know, white hat are the honest ones, and the black hat hackers are the ones that are, do things for malicious reasons or to gain money. Um, as long as they're doing it from a white hat standpoint, um, to show these vulnerabilities, it actually um, solidifies some of these uh, gaps and helps you to uh, prevent other people from doing it. So these, these tools can right. be used yeah, for There's good also too. something called responsible disclosure. Um, that's something from software security testing that kind of applies to a lot of other things where if you're a white hat hacker, whether you are employed or just, or just self-professed doing it on your own, um, you know, it is not considered good to just publish to the world a big vulnerability. It's, uh, there, there are actually accepted protocols for telling the manufacturer, saying, hey, I found something. Please, uh, you know, fix this uh, before I choose to tell anyone. And that's something we can do, do a whole other, uh, whole other um, podcast on, especially when we talk about vulnerabilities. Uh, but, so those... I'll just add, I want to... Yeah, I want to add sure. one more part to that. Uh, and, I, and we probably should go into a separate conversation about responsible disclosure. But, you know, you know, when you're using these tools and you're using a flipper zero and you find a vulnerability, which you could, you know, you're, you're testing, you're, you're looking at radio frequency or, and you find something. The question is, do you go out and publish it on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook right away? Or do you give that manufacturer or that vendor the 90 days or 60 days or 30 days that they can to patch it up and then publish it. So, you know, you, you got to think about, uh, and I know we're going to touch on this a little bit later, but you got to think about the ethics involved of, of what you're doing. So it's not just about being playful and uh, opening up your neighbor's garage door. It's about the responsibility you have as an individual and and how you don't put other people in jeopardy or in a bad position. That's right. And that gets into some other things, you know, as we will probably talk about this when we do more on the Internet of Things. But, you know, now that we're starting to control more things in the physical world, like cars and like like cars and like building management systems in particular, um, the security of them becomes very important uh, as you're testing that you don't mess it up, mess them up, obviously. But, you know, also that you're buying things that are secure. Um, you know, it, it was very interesting in the past few years where, you know, areas that, you know, buying a little device for something wasn't that big of a deal. A lot of HVA systems for, uh, you know, buildings, uh, they would just say, oh, well, whatever, it's internal. You know, you need to go into the building to use it. Now that they're connected to the Internet, um, you know, you really don't want the elevator systems or the power to be going out in a tall building because someone hacked it. That's, that's raising the stakes. Yeah. And, and when we look at, when we look at things like that with the flipper zero, um, flipper zero has had this profound effect of not only 
that tool funding vulnerabilities, but people going out there and figuring out what are the vulnerabilities are there with cars. So as you probably have seen, and I'm sure you have, people talk about the can bus on cars and how they can replace the light on a car or move the molding over a little bit and connect to a car system by disconnecting to the headlight of a car. So people are finding, oh, okay, Flip Zero can do this and this to a car. What else can I do to a car? And as people find more vulnerabilities, they're going out and discovering it. I think to a point where some insurance companies now are not insuring certain cars because the vulnerability can't be uh, protected against. But um, yeah, we, we, we need to be careful. And, and, and then when you're talking about IoT devices and you're talking about cars, you, you talk about fleet management. If there's 1,000 trucks delivering food and you're finding that vulnerability on that truck and or, or trucking system and you can shut down all the refrigerators while they're driving – you're going to cause really bad effects. And this last point about the heating system, if you watch Mr. Robot, people, not only did they control the temperature in the building through Mr. Robot, but they also were able to move laterally from the thermostat on the wall to other devices. And in a way, you can kind of do that with the Flipper Zero if that thermostat has a USB cable. So that's another whole story yeah, in itself. It's amazing. Okay, so getting back to the Flipper Zero, took a little detour there. Um, it can do something else that I find yes. really interesting. The Flipper Zero um, has a whole breakout on the back, or on the side of it, I'm sorry. And the breakout on the side of it has a listing for all the different pins as well as voltage. And what you can do is the radio is capable of receiving, but it might not have the right antenna or the right contacts. And when you plug when you plug this board in with these extra pins and wires, you can use a breadboard to enhance the current capabilities of the Flipper Zero to do other things. So let's say, for example, let's make this up, right? Let's let's say you're doing something outside the band of a Flipper Zero. Let's say it's radar. You might be able to use a radar antenna to receive signals, send it back to the Flipper Zero and use that Flipper Zero as a computer and add programs or firmware to do additional testing or additional compromises. Oh, that's what it's for. You can essentially then add different radios, different sensors onto it. Wow. That's that's pretty intense, actually. So people are currently doing that with um, the Raspberry Pis. In essence, what you're basically doing is... um, you're kind of, instead of using a Raspberry Pi, you already have a completely built computer that you can carry with you and uh, put a breadboard on it and uh, do some really do-it-yourself um, add-ons. The breadboards are about $10 each, and they're actually, I'm looking at it, they're sold out because you can do so much. There's so many people out there who are so talented that could do so yeah, many so things. You have to be a bit of an electronics geek to know how to do that stuff, but there are plenty of people who know how to do it and who have been, frankly, building a lot of these things themselves. Yeah. I'm looking at it now. They, they, they're basically doing like Wi-Fi modules and things that you normally can't read. But because it has the capability of using that firmware to do it, they're, they're having a lot of fun. I'll bet. Okay. So where does this thing actually come from, this Flipper Zero? It, it comes from a company. According to their website, they're based in Delaware. And it is a number of people. I think they're like 40, 50 people. They did a Kickstarter campaign that was very successful a little while back. And you can, well, 
you could buy it off their website, but they said they're sold out until I think as of this uh, recording, they said they're going to get some tomorrow, maybe. Um, you were able to sell it, well, you were able to buy it on Amazon, but then Amazon decided to ban it, right, Adam? Yes, they did. Um, and you actually got your hands on one, but you got it through an interesting place. Not directly. I guess I guess through the secondary market, I suppose you'd call it? No, this is actually a legitimate market. They're a partner of Flipper Zero, but I had to get it from, from France. And literally, by the time I got it, it was already available. Um, uh, I, I got it from a partner called, I believe, Lab, Lab 401 in France. But by the time I received it, it was already more readily available um, on the Flipper Zero website. But Flipper Zero does have partners. But yes, there's a whole entire market, third-party market, where people are selling them for $1,000 each. Is that largely because of availability, just because they're in short supply? I think because there was a big buzz for it in countries like Brazil banned it, and um, everybody's seen it all over the internet, that the, the, the hype was there and people were all buying them. And now that the, now that most of the people who had that hype bought them, the supply is more readily available. So you know, you create this whole hysteria about, I need it, I need it, I need it. And then everyone buys it at higher prices, especially through third-party markets. And now uh, the demand isn't as high. Yeah, as it is kind of interesting because, you know, people were saying, oh, it's been banned by Amazon and it was uh, in short supply. You had to go overseas to get it in some cases. And I'm sure there were people gouging it, you know, in terms of prices like they will for anything that's hot. I had also heard that the U.S. Customs Agency had seized the shipment, but never said why, at least in what I was reading. And the interesting thing with all of this is that it makes it sound so exotic and James Bond and everything. But these are not illegal by any stretch, um, as far as I know. And I am not a lawyer, not even close. So I think because, you know, the U.S. Border Patrol was not sure what the device was and it wasn't analyzed and people thought it was a threat they seized a shipment but i think they released it and flipper zero even posted i think on twitter or somewhere that they're waiting for official response from the u.s customs to understand the reasons why they're unhappy with it um but eventually they got released and now there's no problem uh importing them into the united states so you know people get people get scared they see something they think it's a hacker tool and they go crazy oh, that's right and you know it is important to remember these are tools to be used for good to be used to um protect yourself and to help others protect themselves too and you know even when you do find something an issue you know there are a lot of ethical matters on so what do you do do you just keep it to yourself do you tell the world and I'll tell the world may not be a good thing um you know without getting too much into responsible disclosure, like we were saying, typically you would want to contact the manufacturer and tell them, hey, there's a, you know, there's a problem here. Please fix it. Um, there are protocols that you can subscribe to uh, that will say exactly the way you, exactly the way you should do it, exactly the, event, the way the vendor responds, what to do if they, uh, you know, if they, if they don't take care of it. Um, but this likely is going to become even more important than it has been in the past because there, this has been going on for a very long time in software. Software vulnerabilities are very common. We know how to do it if you know Microsoft every month. 
every second Tuesday of every month sends out their patches and um, a lot of other places do too on similar schedules in a similar way. Um, however, now, you know, as we were saying, as you know, computers are, and software are being integrated into more and more devices that we use every day, there are more vulnerabilities out there too. And they're becoming uh, much more pervasive. So this is going to be a very interesting thing going forward. The, the day will not, is coming very quickly and might have even been here in some point where, say, on your car, they say, you need to take this in because we need to fix it right away. Or even they'll, or even you'll go to start it and it'll be just like your PC. It's like, wait a minute, I'm downloading an update. I can't drive for a few minutes. That's going to be fun. Well, and, and that goes back to, and I know we always go in circles with some of the conversations because they always bring up more points. The more sophisticated a device gets, whether it's your car, your HVAC, you know, anything, the more vulnerabilities are introduced with the advanced technologies. And it gets to a point where there's going to be plenty of tools out there. Make no mistake, the Flipper Zero is nothing new as far as tools goes. You can buy different tools on the internet to do everything that the Flipper Zero is doing. However, the Flipper Zero is a nice, compact tool um, that is embedded. It makes it easier for most enthusiasts to test yeah. things. Um, but there's That's right. And don't be there. fooled either. This is convenient and it's in a nice package. It, it's not as easy as people think it is. You do have to have a little knowledge and put a little time into this to know how to use it correctly. It, it's not beyond the realm of anyone who's, you know, interested and, and has some time. But, you know, also be aware that some of the videos you might have seen, I have heard that some of them may be staged, exaggerated a bit, a bit sensationalized, um, you know, and again, going and taking uh, a, a device. One of the first times I, I heard about it, I joked with Adam when he said, hey, I can change my my TV channel with this. And I'm like, wow, you just bought the world's most expensive uh, universal remote. Congratulations. Not everything is so spectacular with them. I'm going to give you an example, right? If I go to read your card that you have, um, your, your, your uh, credit card with the Flipper Zero, and I get your credit card number, and then I go to buy something online, as most websites, but not all, require security code, that security code does not get read by your card or by the Flipper Zero. The, the, the card is imprinted on your card, the number. You're not getting that when you read it. So if you need the security code, reading the card is not going to do anything for you. Um, so I want to make that clear. If you read somebody's bank card, you still need to know their PIN. Unless you're using it as a credit card and they don't require the security code. So, you know, there are staged things on the internet that make it seem like, you know, you can open up, you know, the uh, gates to uh, heaven right. with this, which I haven't tried right. yet. And that's so because, you know, card skimming and things like that, they're, they're nothing new. Um, and banks and all have been building systems around this for a long time. So don't get too scared by it. But, you know, if you, if, if, and don't think it's too easy. Uh, because it isn't, but you can learn quite a bit and uh, and understand your vulnerabilities. Yeah, the last thing I'm going to say is this in essence, and I, kn I know you're going to define what I'm saying, but this in essence has become the script kitty of pen testing uh, physical tools. It makes it easier for a person who's never done this technology before, but it doesn't make it like, you know, plug and play. Instantly, you know what to do. 
it requires a little bit of work, a little bit of studying and understanding. If you've never done these type or never used these type of tools or pen testing, you still need to learn. Yes. And I'm sure you can, but don't think it's too simple. Um, script kitty is a uh, security term for um, someone who doesn't really know security, doesn't know really know how to hack or to break into things or to test them and just finds a script or a program on the internet to run it. And if it works, it works. And if not, they're done. It's kind of the lowest level. And they were, you know, typically kids um, in the past. Although, unfortunately, some of those kids have grown up into very good and very troublesome adults. But please don't be one of them. In any case, Adam, it is time for last call, but we have a very special last call today. We're noting that, although it's last call here, we're going to have an after party. And what we're going to do is we have a Flipper Zero. Adam has one in his possession, and he is going to do an unboxing of it and show it to you on video. So after all this talk, you can get an idea of what this thing actually looks like. So yeah, the unboxing is three minute rounds, one minute <laughs> off. Yeah. Uh, whoever gets the most that's, points wins. Oh, that, that unboxing, not, I'm not, sorry. Not actual boxing. Yes. Unboxing, gonna... yes. So, so, so oh, that'll be fun. We will have that on our YouTube channel where you can also catch this podcast. And of course you can catch the podcast on just about any um, podcasting platform of your choice. And we're looking for feedback. We're definitely looking for feedback. So if there's something that you liked or didn't like, or you want to see something else or hear about something else, please uh, email us at feedback at securitycocktailhour.com. Again, feedback at securitycocktailhour.com. And if you want to send us hacking tools to evaluate, hey, we'll take them too. Yes, thank thank you. All right. That's it for this episode. We will see you next time. Adam? Good doing this with you as always. That's all, folks. folks. Take it easy.